You're listening to Motherhood Ignited, a podcast for mompreneurs, creatives, and influencers who are rocking the beautiful balance between working passionately and nurturing presently. I'm your host, Christy Keen, and every week I interview inspiring mom bosses, brands, and industry experts to bring you the knowledge, tools, and strategies to grow your influence and business through purposeful online content creation. So come in and cozy up, mamas, and get ready to ignite your goals. So mamas, we have all heard it preached, and my guest today is about to take you to church on why video is king right now. I'm so excited to welcome Meredith Marsh, aka VidPro Mom, onto the podcast today. Meredith is a YouTuber, blogger, and host of the Video Pursuit podcast who helps creatives reach a wider audience with social video content. Thank you so much for being here today, Meredith. Thank you so much for having me. And I, for one, am so eager to jump into content with you today because to me, it is super obvious that video is necessary right now to up-level mm-hmm. exposure and influence. Mm-hmm. And I actually just intentionally started trying to grow my YouTube channel last month, mm. but I'm just like such a newbie. I don't mm. even know where to begin. Um, So I'd love to start just by hearing more about your beginning and why you're so passionate about video and what other newbies like me need to know to get started. Awesome. Yeah. So my background is actually in web design. I used to be a freelance web designer uh, for about five years, and I kind of got burned out from from kind of going from business to business, client to client. And I took a full-time job back in 2013 as an in-house web design, web designer in, in like managing web marketing for a local manufacturing company. Um, and, but uh, it, it was like my entrepreneurial bug just like wouldn't die. And mm-hmm. so while I was there, I decided to start a blog and a YouTube channel as a side hustle to kind of see if I could grow it into something that would, you know, earn enough revenue that I could then quit my full time job. So that's I think that's the story that we hear all the time from people who start a blog or a YouTube channel or whatever, some kind of online business, and then they quit their job. Uh, but my job actually moved their headquarters to another city. Uh, so I was only there for about three years. I didn't have the opportunity to quit <laughs> because my side hustle was making so much money. But um, so we parted ways and I just decided that was a good time to kind of dive in full time. So I had started the VidPro Mom blog and YouTube channel in 2015. And I started by publishing video editing tutorials in camera, like how-to videos, mostly around how to use a GoPro camera and how Mm -hmm. to edit GoPro videos. Uh, So for like families, like family vacation videos, hobby video creators, that was how I started out. Um, And so... But I always kind of knew that once I figured out how to earn an income from blogging and YouTube that I'd want to help other people do the same thing because I felt like there was there's got to be other people out there like me who, you know, if you have the skills to work in marketing and web related stuff at an employer helping them grow their business, then you have all the skills you need to grow your own business. That's such a good point. I just didn't even think of it that way. So um, I always, I always knew that I kind of wanted to help that type of person, which was me, um, like think outside of that employer box and start thinking about how they could apply their skills to their own businesses. So, in addition to my blog and my YouTube channel, I host the Video Pursuit podcast as well as a membership program called the Video Pursuit Society where I help bloggers reach a wider audience using YouTube so they can increase the growth and profitability of their businesses. So that's where I'm at now. And that's awesome. And it's so important. And I know a lot of bloggers and influencers who are listening to this may roll their eyes and think that's one more thing to do or Mm -hmm. one more content area to come up with. But I think that you probably give a lot of really great advice of how they can use it complementary to what Mm -hmm. they're already doing and Mm -hmm. where the time management makes sense. Right. Right. Yeah. And so like just an easy starter tip for a blogger, because I know you probably work with a lot of bloggers. I know that's a passion of yours because Mm -hmm. you yourself are a blogger when you Mm -hmm. started this. Mm -hmm. Um, 
like an easy quick tip. I'm just curious, like what are your thoughts on repurposing written blog content that somebody might already have Mm -hmm. and translating that into video? Yeah, 100% do it. (laughs) Start doing it right now today. (laughs) Because people don't think that's redundant. You might just be reaching an entirely new audience. Yeah, that's exactly what you're doing. And you've already created the content. And, you know, a lot of times we think, you know, you think of a YouTube video and it's like, oh, I need to have a camera. I need to record a video and then I need to edit it. But that is actually a small piece of the content creation. The larger piece is planning the content and figuring out what you're going to say in your video. And if you already have a written blog post or even a written Instagram post that is like in depth on some topic, you've already done more than half the work of creating a video. So true. Yeah. I feel like a light bulb just went off in my head because I know several people who have years Mm -hmm. of amazing written blog content. Mm -hmm. And I personally, I'm just not somebody who sits and reads a blog anymore. Mm -hmm. I I consume all of my content through either podcast or going on YouTube now. So Mm -hmm. just to see that. And I think it makes it a little bit more personal, right? To see their face and to just hear them speak their heart about whatever it is that that they're passionate about. Yeah, the connection you know, between you, the creator, and your audience is almost instantaneous because they're seeing your face, they're hearing your voice, they're getting your personality, like, just right off the bat. So, I mean, there's either a connection or they don't like you, which is okay, too. (laughs) But fine. You don't need those people. (laughs) Yeah, but it's like, it's all right out there in the open. And so, but the people that you do make a connection with, it's just so much quicker And I think so much deeper, too, because people feel like they know you. Mm, That's very true. And I guess that's why I go to YouTube. And I I feel like that's why I keep coming back to you, too, because the more I see you, even though this is the first time we've chatted personally, it feels like I think, oh, I already know Meredith. And you're like, I don't even know who you are. But but I know you, and I definitely appreciate what you're doing. The people listening know they probably already have – the content ideas that they need to get started and Mm -hmm. what would be like the first equipment you would need. So you have the ideas, you have the desire. Now, what equipment would you need just to get started? Well, so before equipment, (laughs) I would do some planning first. Uh, Um, Yeah. So YouTube is like, it's such a great discovery platform um, so there's three really important things that people getting started on YouTube and really all content creators need to know about YouTube. And we can go deeper into each of these things. But number one, it's a search engine. It's the second largest search engine in the world. Um, I think most people know that it's a search engine. But when you're thinking about creating content, you're, you're, you have to think a little deeper about the fact that it's a search engine. Uh, Number two, it's a recommendation engine. And number three, it is a longer game that requires a strategy. So um, like I said, most people know that it's a search engine. We go there and search for things like, you know, how to install a kitchen cabinet, things like that. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's owned by Google. And so I like to... think this is going to sound so silly, but I like to think of Google as Donnie Wahlberg and YouTube is like Marky Mark Wahlberg. He's like <laughs> the cooler, hotter, younger brother. Oh <laughs> and my gosh, that's they're adorable. Great, but you know, they're different. And so um, there's a lot of different types of YouTube channels out there. And this is something I think that kind of trips people up when I talk about YouTube, because what you watch on YouTube and what I'm seeing on YouTube versus what, you know, what my husband watches on YouTube, they're completely different, not just different like topics, but different types of channels. Like, um, you know, there's vlogs, there's how-to videos, which are my favorite. There's entertainment, comedy, music, gaming is obviously huge. And um, there's kids channels and tech review channels. And I like to think of YouTube as um, it's like, it's search and rescue. Your ideal audience is going to go to YouTube for a solution or an answer to something. 
Um, that's why, you know, product reviews and how-to videos are the two most popular types of videos on YouTube. They're mm-hmm. perfect for bloggers and influencers. So um, the goal, and this is especially important when you're first getting started, the goal with YouTube is to show up as a search result for your ideal audience. So if you don't have any audience on any platform at all, you don't have an Instagram following, you don't have an email list or a Facebook page, the way that people are going to find you is through search. So you would need to create videos that are going to show up as a search result so that when someone searches how to install a kitchen cabinet, you're showing up there. Um, and then it's a it's a recommendation engine. And so the algorithm kind of, it decides and it tries to predict what a viewer should watch next based on that viewer's watch history and also based on what's trending and what it thinks that the viewer will enjoy. So YouTube wants people to stay watching YouTube videos for as long as possible because that's how YouTube makes money through their ads. So the more people they have watching YouTube, you know, if you could watch it 24 hours a day, YouTube would love that. <laughs> they have mm-hmm. no problem oh, yeah. at taking over your life. Um, so when you as the creator are making videos, you have to think about how your audience is going to consume the video. Are they going to keep watching it or are they going to get bored? Are they interested in the topic that you're talking about? Are they even going to hit the play button? Um, and watch it? Are they going to comment on the video? Those are all things that the the algorithm is looking at the data. And um, if there's lots of engagement and people are watching the whole video, then YouTube knows that is a video that people are interested in and it will find viewers who will enjoy that video and recommend it to them. Um, it, like on the desktop, you have the right-hand sidebar with recommended videos. And on mobile, they're below. So, mm-hmm. I mean, a lot of times, I, the way I use YouTube, I usually decide what I watch next. But some people put YouTube on and they just watch whatever video comes next and next and next. And YouTube's algorithm is just deciding what to feed into that queue. Um, so it's only going to feed in videos that it knows people are actually watching and engaging with. Um, so that's the whole recommendation side of the algorithm, um, which is kind of, it, I don't think there's really any other platforms that have that robust of a, uh, of a discovery tool, you know, because like on Instagram, you're not being shown other accounts that Instagram thinks you might be interested in unless you're going and searching, like going through the hashtags or seeing what other accounts people follow or going to um, the search and just searching for specific things, right? Mm-hmm. So um, it's a little different in that way. And it's really powerful in that way. So, and then I like to say YouTube is a long game. Um because it does take time. It, I mean, everything, every piece of content takes time to create. But um, to grow a channel, you, you really have to have a strategy and think about the audience that you want to serve, what you want to help them with, why you want to help them with whatever it is, um, and figure out what topics they are going to just be like dying to consume um, and kind of start there. And um, just make sure your content is showing up as a search result. That's really good advice. And I know one of my big goals with this podcast is to inspire moms to do more purposeful content creation and Mm -hmm. really honing in on what their message is and what they're trying to contribute in these spaces. Mm -hmm. Like I said, with YouTube, I'm kind of new to this. I have a very unique situation with YouTube because I have a, a very viral video from my daughter hearing for the first time. Mm-hmm. I could have just definitely leveraged that more in the beginning if I knew what my mm-hmm. goal and my purpose was at right. the beginning of this whole crazy, mm-hmm. unexpected journey. But when it comes to just the normal growth of somebody who doesn't have a viral video experience from the start, I'm curious about it because I know there's an algorithm, like Instagram has an algorithm. I'm sure they're very different and nobody 
ever understands how those things work. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> but with like Instagram, there's certain hacks people use or say engagement groups or just standard etiquette that people who are growing their Instagrams just come to know. Is there mm-hmm. stuff like that with YouTube, like as far as a community and I don't know, working with other YouTubers? Yeah. So you can you can collaborate with other YouTubers. That's a fairly common thing um, if you have somebody that has a similar audience. It doesn't necessarily mean they have to, you have to be like, oh, I have a thousand subscribers and you have a thousand subscribers. So we're, you know, we're equal. We should collab. But um, it's just if the audiences are similar and if you if you know somebody or you see somebody that you think would your audience would benefit from hearing from them and vice versa, you think their audience would benefit from hearing from you. Um, Collabs are great. Um, For me, because I, I focus a lot on search engine optimization using the search engine, optimizing for search is a good way to kind of get the fire going. And then once you have some uh, regular, you know, loyal viewers, people who are commenting on, you know, every time you upload a video, they're watching your videos. Once you have a little bit of a community, you can use that community to find out what else they would like to see from you. So you can ask them to comment, (laughs) comment below if you want to see more videos about such and such and use the people who are already showing up for you to figure out what else to create videos about because you want those people to keep showing up and watching your videos and it can kind of snowball from there. The more people that watch your videos, the more ideas and suggestions you'll get from those people in the comments. Um, And you can also look at your analytics and like YouTube analytics will tell you what people are searching on YouTube to find your videos. Oh, really? I didn't even realize that. I need to dig into analytics. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, if I have, let's say I have a video on GoPro accessories I can go in and see that there's people searching for GoPro Hero 7 accessories or um, cheap accessories or accessory kits. And they're already searching for those things and finding my existing video. But since I already have a little bit of that YouTube algorithm juice, then I can make a video specific to those things that they're already searching for. Um, And so you're just you're using YouTube's data to increase <laughs> your growth. You're using the data to create more data to attract more of the right people. So, um, it's um, it, it 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 is like Instagram in that it is about your audience. Like, what does your audience want to see from you? Um, your ideal audience and creating that content that is going to get them to engage and consume and stick around for more. And I love that it sounds like YouTube, even though, like we said, nobody understands the algorithms, it sounds like they willingly give you a lot of tools to be successful. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's really awesome. And just with SEO, is it the title where people, I guess, are finding things or is it tags like I know on Instagram there's hashtags and you can put tags on your videos on YouTube Mm -hmm. or is it the title and thumbnail what's more important there to hit like your SEO target for what your video and audience is so yes the title is very important Um, I have something called the five-tier filter this is like just like a quick five-step process for taking a video topic idea and figuring out like, what is the actual video going to be? What is the actual title going to be? And so if you think about like a funnel shape at the very bottom, you would have subscribers coming out. And so um, are people actually going to hit subscribe after watching this video? So the, the ways that you can help that to happen would be if your channel branding is great and you're asking them to subscribe and you're making it easy for people to subscribe by putting your subscription link in your video description and also putting it in a 
in a in the comment and then pinning the comment so it's right up kind of near the top near the video um so that makes it easy yeah yeah it makes it easy for people to subscribe that way and so in order for people to subscribe to your channel they need to actually watch your videos (laughs) so this seems like a no-brainer but (laughs) it has to happen so in order for people to watch your video they need to find it somehow either being recommended or showing up as a search result and so the findability is kind of basic seo for videos so um your title is kind of the most important thing as far as like what words to put where the title is really important the description is important so you should have your the search terms that you want to be showing up for should be in your title they should be in your description uh, but your description should be written for a human being not just a list of keywords <laughs> yeah um, your thumbnail matters because your thumbnail should kind of be intriguing enough to make people say, oh, what is this about? I need to click on that. Um, and then your tags are like, tags are so hard to explain because they're not hashtags. They're not categories. They're just, sometimes it could be like an alternate an alternate title. If there's other words that people are searching that are similar, it's kind of a way to for for YouTube to know what your video is related to so that it knows what to relate your video to in like in the recommended um and things like that. So it's a little bit it's a little bit confusing, but um your your like your title should be one of your tags, and then like I said, if you if there's any other words or search terms that are very similar, but the wording is just a little bit different, you could have that as your as your tag. Um, so like a lot of my if I do a video editing tutorial for let's just say Adobe Premiere Rush, then I would have a tag. One tag would be video editing. One tag would be Adobe Premiere Rush. One would be Premiere Rush. One would be Premiere Rush tutorial. Um, so it's kind of just like combining the different words together to make sure that YouTube knows all of the different ways that you could possibly describe this video. <laughs> so mm. um, so that's findability. And then in order to know, in order for people to find your video, you need to know what people are searching for. So you can use... Uh, there's a really great Chrome extension called TubeBuddy, which there's a free version that is fantastic that just kind of you basically punch in a keyword like Adobe Premiere Rush tutorial and it will tell you whether people are really searching for that and how many and whether there's competition for that or not. And it helps you make a decision about what to title your video um, and then helps you kind of niche down a little more if you need to. So that's TubeBuddy. That's a Chrome extension. There's also a tool called Morning Fame, which is a site that you can do your keyword research and plan your videos. And it works differently than TubeBuddy, but it's... Um, it's really just interesting the way that it helps you drill down what your actual title should be and how to optimize your tags and description for that title and that search term. So um, in order to be found, you need to know what people are searching for. And you basically just start with a pool of topics. The very top of the five-tier filter is just your viable video topics. So like, what do you get frequently asked about? (laughs) I think if you have any kind of audience, there's probably some questions that you're like, I'm so tired of answering this question. But that is your clue that people need an answer to that question. Um, And people are- And I'm sure that's a huge time saver for- anybody in the space who's responding to emails and DMs about the same question, you just make your YouTube channel, have your video with the answer, and you just direct them there. Yeah. It's not going to prevent people from asking you the question. Yeah, that's true. (laughs) But you 
you can answer it in in another way for them by sending them to a video. And it's also a clue that you know this is something people are, if they're asking you about it, you know there are people that are typing this into the YouTube search bar or the Google search bar. So um, frequently asked questions, anything people are asking you to create content about or asking you to cover, or if you have an audience on any platform, you can just ask, what would you like to see from me in a, in a video tutorial or, um, or, you know, whatever, whatever you're thinking, just, just ask people and they'll, they'll tell you. And then from there you go through that, the five steps of the five tier filter and figure out how to title your video and go from there. Mm, I love that. And I think a parallel that I'm seeing between all social media platforms is listening to your audience Mm -hmm. and, creating content that's not just something selfish, I guess, just finding out what you can create that's helping somebody else seems to be, I guess, a big, a big important thing that I'm picking up on. Yeah, especially like, especially when you're just getting started. I think sometimes we see people who have millions of subscribers on YouTube, and the videos they upload are literally just anything they feel like talking about. But that's not how they got there. They didn't get there by just talking about whatever came off the top of their head. Wake up a Kardashian. Yeah. So um, they had, you had to start somewhere and start building that audience somewhere. And then, you know, maybe someday you can just talk about whatever you want to talk about. But um, yeah, listening to your audience and really figuring out why, who who you want to help or who you want to impact and why. Um, and then how can you help them? Uh, but it really starts with listening to your audience and just figuring out who that ideal person is that you want to connect with. And so once somebody has honed in on that, like they're, they're figuring out what their content is, they're figuring out SEO. Again, in my space that I'm more comfortable with, Instagram, I have an idea of how many posts my followers want to see a day or mm-hmm. a week with YouTube, how important is consistency? So yeah, it is important. Usually once a week, publishing a video once a week is kind of a, I mean, I guess you could call it a rule of thumb. It's not a rule by any means that if you break it, you're not going to go real far. But um, I think having consistency kind of scares people with YouTube because they're like, wait a minute, it took me 20 hours to do my first video. I have to do this every week. Um, And (laughs) so that can be scary at first. Um, So I, I like to tell people if it feels too overwhelming to do once a week and that overwhelm is keeping you from even starting and doing just one, then don't commit to doing once a week. Like you don't have to follow that rule. Uh, I do like to recommend people start with some type of a series of like five videos so that they're um, kind of planning them all at once and then shooting them all at once. And you don't have to edit them all at once. That would take like a really long time. Uh, but um, and then publishing them once a week for, you know, if you have five videos and you have five weeks of content and that way you're kind of getting a good flow like from the beginning and by the time you publish that fourth and fifth video if you have gone through the five tier filter and optimized your videos you should have some people watching your videos and hopefully commenting um and you should have some data uh in your analytics to tell you what's working and what's not working are people watching your videos and how much of your videos are they watching are they you know are they only watching 10% of your videos and then getting bored and leaving um then you might want to make some changes to how you do your videos <laughs> um but once you have some data then you can make decisions about moving forward and you could keep batching you know the next 5 videos and just you have like a month's worth of content every time um but i just don't let the consistency um scare you off. Like for me, for Instagram, I am not very consistent with Instagram. And sometimes I think, why do I even bother? I'm 
like I might publish three posts in a week and then none for like a month. Um, but I, I don't let it stop me from publishing those three in one week. If I have an idea and I want to post it, then I'll post it and I don't stress out about it. I'm just like, at least I'm showing up there, you know? Yes. Yes. And, and that's really helpful. And I think Number one, you really touched on some things that would help with time management as far as batching and making video something that you can do complimentary. But I think that you really hit the nail on the head and that you just have to show up first and you just have to get started. Mm -hmm. And so when when you start doing the videos, you're learning how to be on video Mm -hmm. and how to edit video and how to do SEO. And you're not going to learn or get better at any of those things if you just don't start. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Action creates clarity. I like to Yes. Say. Oh, I love that. Nobody love that. knows. Like nobody knows what's down the road or around the bend, but if you you're not going to know unless you move forward, you know. Amen. And then I think another thing besides the time management that holds a lot of people back, and I'm just speaking from personal experience because I just bought um what is it, a Canon G7X mm-hmm. for vlogging or mm-hmm. just doing more more video content that's a little bit easier for me to – I'm just not somebody who likes to bring around my big Canon everywhere. Right, right. But I, I'm just so uncomfortable, especially in public mm-hmm. and just talking to a camera lens. Mm-hmm. I don't know why. It feels maybe a little bit more easy when it's even to your phone because we're just more used to it. Yeah. But I don't know. What are your tips for people to get over that? Because I know, I mean, you just have to, but it's it's very scary for somebody just starting out. Yeah. I don't have any tips for vlogging in public because I don't do that. <laughs> I I have the same exact fear as as you there. I don't do it. But I also don't, like my content doesn't necessarily need to be something where I'm with a camera in public. Um, what I will do there sometimes if if there is something outside of the house that I want to include, I'll like record a talking head video where I'm just talking to my camera in my office and have additional footage, B-roll footage that I bring in um, of whatever it was that I was shooting outside of the house. Um, But, you know, even inside your house, even with nobody around talking to a camera is weird and awkward. Mm -hmm. And um, I don't think that it's natural for anybody at first because we're not born talking to cameras. We're born talking to people. And so um, a really good way to kind of get a little more comfortable is just to start talking to yourself about the topics that you will be talking to on camera. I think there's, you know, if your brain is not used to taking your thoughts and turning them into words on particular topics, then when you turn the camera on, you're going to be like, uh, what do I do now? (laughs) And it's going to like feel like you're just trying really hard just to get the words out of your mouth. So practicing talking to yourself, um, when you're alone in your car, you can practice talking to yourself. Um, another really great confidence booster is just to make sure that you have good lighting and good audio so that, I mean, it's not going to help when you're filming cause it'll actually be a little more awkward when you have lights on you. But, uh, when you go and watch your video back and you, you might even be impressed with yourself, you might be like, Oh wow, look at that. I look like a YouTuber. So, um, you don't want you you don't want videos that are like real dark. You want to light your face up. Um, light can kind of like drown out any wrinkles or skin imperfections too. If you're worried about that, and oh, yeah. yeah, and just know that nobody feels comfortable at first. It is awkward, and there are going to be people that are going to be like, "Nope, it's too awkward. I'm not doing it." And you don't have to be one of those people. You can like step ahead of the line of those people and leave them in your dust. That's true. For everybody who doesn't take the time to even try or be comfortable, then mm-hmm. that's kind of a win for you in yeah, this exactly. space too. Yeah. That is a really good way to think of it. And um, I always ask 
some rapid fire questions at the end of the podcast mm-hmm. and some of them are gear related. Yeah. So I think I'm going to really, um, once we get there, talk about lighting yeah. and audio just because it does make such a huge difference mm-hmm. in, difference in this space. Mm-hmm. I definitely need to have you on for a part two when we can make <laughs> our schedules work because now I feel like everybody's going to be really excited to start doing video mm-hmm. and especially with the tip to repurpose your blog mm-hmm. post for video getting started. Mm-hmm. But I want to talk soon about the business side of things mm-hmm. and how you can make money on YouTube yeah. because that's a whole other ball game. And I know I, for one, am really interested in that, but mm-hmm. I will link your blog and your YouTube, your five-tier um, system that you mentioned mm-hmm and the tube buddy. But what I want listeners to know is when they go to your blog or your YouTube, you give away everything they need for free. <laughs> so it's amazing. And and the podcast, like I said, I just binge listen to your podcast because I'm trying to be more intentional with my YouTube. Mm-hmm. And you just give it all away for free. And it is amazing. And I know you do have a course right now for editing, right? What I have, I just did a social video workshop where I taught how to repurpose your videos like quick and easy. So, um, I mean, with Instagram and Facebook and YouTube, there's a lot. I mean, we hear a lot like you should just focus on one platform, but then I find that people don't like to follow that rule. We want to be everywhere. We, you know, Instagram is like the cool kid, even cooler than Marky Mark Wahlberg. And <laughs> um, and so we want to be on Instagram, but then Instagram is not a search engine. And that's, the content there isn't like who knows if people are going to be able to find it 10 years from now. Um, whereas Google will probably still be around in 10 years. And so it's like, you really do kind of want to be in all the places, but you don't necessarily want to be recreating the same exact content. Um, and so in the social video workshop, I taught how to kind of take your YouTube video and repurpose it for vertical, for like IGTV or Instagram stories. And that is, so that was a live class, but inside of the Video Pursuit Society, I have a course called YouTube Triggers, which is the more in-depth foundational version of the five-tier filter that um, teaches you how to align your video topic ideas with YouTube's algorithm so that every time you publish a video, you're getting views and your channel is growing. That is awesome. And I will definitely link all of those because the way that you share how to do YouTube and video, it's really easy to understand. Oh, and I think, yeah, and I think that's really important because sometimes yeah. it gets a little, if it gets too technical or over my head, I'm out and you just make it so attainable. And I love that. <laughs> Thank you. So to end the podcast, I always do a series of rapid fire questions. Mm-hmm. Um, just that are my favorite things to pick people's brains about. And my favorite question is my first one, which is what do you influence that you are most proud of? I think I'm most proud of when, you know, when somebody, when somebody tells me that they did something like created a YouTube channel or quit their job or something um, because of something that I either taught them or, even better when somebody, I had a guy walk up to me at um, a conference last year at Vid Summit, and he said, are you VidPro mom? And like, I'm not a famous YouTuber. So I hope anyone listening doesn't think that I'm like a celebrity or something. <laughs> so I wasn't expecting someone just to walk up to me and be like, oh my gosh. And so I was kind of surprised, but he said, are you VidPro mom? And I said, yeah. And he's like, I watch your channel. And I was like, cool. And he said, I watched some of your videos last year. And from watching your videos, I decided that I wanted to make videos. And now he has his own company making videos. Um, wow. like, like it's like a video production content creation company. Um, and I was like, what? That's awesome. And it wasn't like I didn't teach him how to do that. But just through watching me, he thought, hey, I think I can do that. And that's how I got started. I saw other people creating videos. And I'm like, 
what? I could do that. <laughs> and so oh, it just, God. you know, it's like the circle keeps on going. Um, but yeah, like inspiring people to think outside of their normal desk job and apply their energy and their creativity and their skills toward creating something for themselves. I'm really proud of that. And you should be because, like I said, I am one of those people who you inspire. And (laughs) yeah, you should definitely be proud of that. And one of my favorite lines from a song is from Over the Rainbow and it's why, oh, why can't I? Mm -hmm. And I think you definitely touched on that where other people are doing it. It's not impossible. If they're doing it, you can do it. You just have to figure out how it works for you and fits into your space. Yeah. And you know what? I asked myself that question for like a year before I started my blog and my YouTube channel. I would just look at what other people were doing and say, why can't I do that? I can do that. I have all the skills. I have a camera. I know how to use it. I know how to set up a website. But it was a year before I finally took action, like stopped asking the question and started taking action. And I bet you wish that you could get that year back. I, yeah, you know, I, it would be nice. (laughs) Of course. Yeah. Everyone would like (laughs) to ahead, but I mean, I think everything, like when you're on some kind of a journey, it's all just part of the process. You know, if I had started a year earlier, I wouldn't have come across, you know, people and things at the time that I came across them. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's all part of a journey, but don't ask yourself that question for a year. (laughs) Just start taking action now. Amen. I love it. And how much time do you dedicate to content creation and how do you balance that with being a mom? Well, my kids are a little older. They're 12 and 8. So they're at the age where they're fairly self-sufficient. <laughs> I just it like so glorious. It, yeah, I'm it's so nice. out of reach right now. <laughs> <laughs> it's nice. They get on the bus in the morning and then get off in the afternoon and then during that time all I have to deal with is the dog. So, um I, it is tricky for me right now because I have the podcast and the YouTube channel and I'm trying to kind of align both of those so that I'm only planning content once instead of planning a podcast topic and a blog topic that are separate topics. So, um, but in an ideal world, I would probably spend like maybe a day's worth on planning a video, writing the script. I don't read from a script, but I write the script because then I, t- I turn it into a blog post. Um, and then doing the research, filming it, editing it, publishing it, promoting it, or figuring out how I'm, you know, what I'm going to post on Instagram about it or on Facebook. Um, I would say it's probably a day's worth for me. Um, I've never been one to quick be a quick content creator. I know there are people who can just rattle off five videos in a row without any planning. I can't do that. So, um, yeah, it's about a day's worth, but I don't, I don't spend one whole day doing it all at one time. I like that. And then is there a mistake you've made or something you would go back and change and do differently if you could? That's a tough one. I, I, I don't know. I don't, I, I don't really think of mistakes as mistakes. Uh, one thing I did do, like initially my blog and my YouTube channel was called GoPro Mom. And that's a trademark. I mean, GoPro is a trademark. So, and mm-hmm. I, I knew that. Like I was 100% fully aware that I was starting a blog and a YouTube channel with someone else's trademark. But I think there's like enough rebel in me that was like, we'll just see how far this goes. <laughs> and yeah. so um, it was about four, four months into it that um, GoPro contacted me and they were like, we want you to um, give away a GoPro on your channel if you would like to. And I was like, uh, yeah, I mean, I only had a couple, I think I maybe had like 400 subscribers or something. And I was like, heck yeah, GoPro. And then they're like, cool, we'll get all the details and all that together. And then I got an email that said, by the way, we are recommending that you change your Instagram handle. That's what they wanted me to do because it was GoPro mom. Um, And I was like, 
okay, I see what's happening here. <laughs> so they didn't um, they didn't even use the word trademark. They didn't use the words trademark infringement or anything. It wasn't even from a lawyer. It was just one of their social media guys. And he said, "We, I recommend that you change your Instagram handle um, to something that doesn't have the word GoPro in it. And I was like, uh, okay, what now? So I changed it to VidPro Mom, <laughs> which is similar, but just a little different. And um, yeah, I mean, I don't know that that was necessarily a mistake because it got their attention. I don't know if I would yeah, have I got their attention if it was anything else. Um, and I feel like, you know, it was a great start. Yeah. And you learned about branding and them – they were very polite in how they put went about it, but yeah. they also, uncon- I mean, just accidentally took you out of this bubble and mm-hmm. opened you up to share content creation to a, a wider audience. Yeah, so. I know. And it's so funny because <laughs> when I first started, I, was, I wasn't thinking I'm going to create a bunch of uh, GoPro tutorials and be like the queen of GoPro tips. I wanted to create other types of like how to shoot better videos on your iPhone because that's what I figured parents were doing when they went on family vacations. Um, And it just so happened that when I was doing the keyword research, I was like, there's a lot of people asking questions about GoPros and there's not a lot of moms out there talking about GoPros and using them for a family camera. So I just kind of ran with that. But yeah, it wasn't supposed to necessarily be just GoPros from the beginning. So I don't, I'm not even sure why I used GoPro in my name, but whatever. It all worked out. Yeah, so it all worked out. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And what's your biggest advice for someone starting from zero subscribers? Uh, just start. <laughs> just like I said, action creates clarity. It's, I think we get so hung up on like trying to, what like thinking about what you want to like what your vision is for you know I'd like to have a YouTube channel that you know had a million subscribers and I could just talk about whatever I wanted and you try and look at that or where you want to go and let that decide where you're supposed to start but you don't know where it's going to go <laughs> You, you just have to start where you're at and like you can't you can't see around the bend you know I mean it's like kind of driving a car like when you first learn how to drive a car every little thing you do is a big thing like putting your foot on the brake and putting it into drive and going over 30 miles an hour those are really big deals if you've never driven a car before but now it's just a normal thing you don't even think about it um, but you in order for it just to become a normal thing, you had to actually do those first steps that were scary and awkward. That's such a good parallel. And I know people always like to hear about gear. So I just want specifically just to narrow, because I know you could probably talk about gear for all different types of video. Mm -hmm. But for somebody just starting out, like what is the number one camera you would recommend, one piece of lighting or lighting tip you would recommend, and audio? Yeah, so I have a pretty simple gear setup. I have I use a Canon 70D for my camera, which is about five years old. I think the 80D is the newer version of it. Um, and it works great for videos and photos, um, you know, for a, a beginner. I mean, I, I shoot in manual mode, but um, it's just a great all-around camera. And it, it has a flip-out screen, so you can see yourself. It has... Um, it stays focused on your face as you move around, which is amazing. And not all cameras do that. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I really like the 70D. And because it is old, older-ish, you can probably get it for a lot cheaper than I bought it for <laughs> five years ago. So, um, and then I have two softbox lights that I bought on Amazon and they're huge. They're like, they take over my whole office. Um, but they were only, I think they're around $100 for the two of them. They're not like a fancy brand. They're just from Amazon. Um, and I have those angled at me and they're kind of above my head and angled down. Um, and I have a Rode video mic. It's a shotgun mic. So it's like one of those long mics that points at you. And I think that was maybe like $75 on Amazon. I've had that 
for probably four years or so and it works really well like nothing I use is super like nothing is professional grade I guess like really nothing (laughs) it's all (laughs) amateur grade equipment and like as much as I would love to geek out about getting a new camera and trying this and trying that uh, it takes time to learn a new camera and learn a new everything and reset up everything. So uh, plus it takes money. And so what I have works, I'm going to knock on wood and hope that it continues to work. <laughs> um, but, you know, if I didn't have a camera, I would just use my phone. The iPhones these days are really fantastic and shoot, you know, 4K video or my camera doesn't even do that. So you don't have to be super professional and fancy at all. And even just maybe positioning yourself in front of – if you all you had was your phone, just positioning yourself in front of a nice window or something yes. like that, you know, you can make it work with what you have. Yeah. The downside, of a, yeah. The downside of a phone is that you can't – you know, you there is an app where you can kind of put it in manual mode, but you can't really control – the ISO or anything like that. But if you're in front of a window and you have great lighting, then it'll be able to do its job better for you automatically. Yeah, that's really good advice. And I will link those cameras as well and the gear you mentioned. So if people want to get started, because you're right, every time Canon releases a new body frame, Mm -hmm. the other one just gets a little bit more affordable and they're really great bodies. Where can listeners find you? I'll link this all in the show notes. Well, so if you search up VidProMom on Instagram or YouTube or Facebook or all of those places, you'll find me. Um, And then we talked about the five-tier filter framework, which is at vidpromom.com slash framework. And I have a social video blueprint. We talked about the workshop, but I have a free download that has tips and layout ideas for how you can repurpose your videos um, to vertical or even how to repurpose from a vertical video to a landscape video and have it look nice. Um, And that is the social video blueprint, which is at socialvideoblueprint.com. All right. I'm definitely going to link that because I have spent way too much time Googling that exact question <laughs> and wasting all the time. So I, I can't wait to get my hands on that myself. And I am so pumped up about video right now after talking to you. And like I said, I really want to get you on for a part two to get into the nitty gritty of business and monetizing a YouTube channel. Yeah. But for what you shared with us today, I think people are going to get a really good, really good, great head start and are just going to be excited about video. So thank you so much for taking the time to come on and inspire mamas today. Yeah, thank you for having me. Well, I for one am super excited about video after having that conversation with Meredith today. And I think a really big takeaway for us mommy bloggers and mommy influencers is that you're probably already sitting on a ton of written content that can be repurposed for video. So that's a great starting place. And I really think that the trends are correct, that video is transforming business and influence today. So what are you waiting for, guys? Bust out that camera, get that content rolling. I cannot wait to see what you guys create. If you like today's podcast, please subscribe and leave a five-star review. You know that me and my family appreciate it so much. And don't forget to head over to the Mommy Influencer Podcast Facebook group where we can continue this conversation further. I, for one, would love to hear your personal stories about how video has worked in your lives to increase engagement or to build a community. Or I just want to hear your tips and questions. Feel free to fire away and let's dig into the conversation of video a little bit more. Thank you so much for tuning in today.